What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Hang Time Headlines. Your host, John, here. Today, we're going to be talking about the Bucks Nets series as well as the Jazz and Clippers series. Before we get into it, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. We're almost 100 subscribers away from 1,000 on YouTube. If you could hit that sub button, we would really appreciate it. So let's get into it. Check the stats, dog. I can see the future with my mask up. hang time. I'm a blast off. First off, we're going to be talking about the Bucks net series because that's the one that's been going on longer. So far, I'd say that this has been an epic letdown so far. The Nets have been utterly dominant. And without that third star, James Harden, which is really impressive, He's been the centerpiece of their offense so far this year, an absolute stellar point guard. And without him, they haven't missed a beat. When we're talking about this series, we have to mention the role players for the Nets because they have been absolutely sensational. The top two have been Joe Harris and Blake Griffin, easily. Joe Harris has been shooting a lights-out 51% for this playoffs and contributing 15 points on average off the bench which great, uh, with great efficiency from three. But the story is Blake Griffin, who has been the fire this Nets team needed. His scoring, while not overwhelming, it's being done on great efficiency, and he's making really timely shots. He's making defensive plays on the ball, making an extra effort for, to dive for balls, and put his body on the line. And for whatever reason, Giannis wants no part of him, and he's just settling for jump shots. While the Nets have been spectacular, I really think the story of this series is actually the Bucks. Many people, including myself, were on them, thinking that this actually could be the year. Even though they were only the three seed in the East, people were really high on them because, one, they were not being talked about too much, and the shooting issue, which has been a big problem for them in the last few years, seemed to finally get fixed. They were one of the top shooting teams in the entire league, not to mention their defensive ability, which is top tier in the league, with former Defensive Player of the Year Giannis and Drew Holiday, who's an underrated but exceptional point guard and defender. I can't put this entirely on Giannis, though, because this is a team sport, so let's talk about the others for a bit. The other big part of the team, Chris Middleton. He has always been one of the stars in the league the last few years who I don't personally believe deserves to be considered as a star. Yeah, he was a pretty good scorer, but really when it came down to it, and it's proving so in this playoffs, he just has not been there. We watched him hit that dagger against the Heat to win game one, and he did pretty well in that series. I mean, sweeping the reigning Eastern Conference chance has to mean something, right? Wrong. Against one of the bottom 10 defenses in the NBA, he's shooting a whopping 13 of 43 from the field and 3 of 13 from deep. And with Giannis's limitations shooting the ball, he has to be there to pick up those long-range shots because that's what they rely on him for. Otherwise, in comparison to KD and Kyrie, prolific scores in this league. He looks pretty average. I don't even mind the fact that the Nets are putting up 120 points on the Bucks because that is to be expected from such a loaded offense. But the fact that the Bucks themselves and Giannis have not been able to abuse the Nets inside the paint is really discouraging to see from him, especially as a player, but also makes me think a lot less of coach Mike Budenholzer. Last year during the bubble, we saw people calling for Coach Bud's job after the seemingly embarrassing loss to the Miami Heat, and while I think that was minimized after seeing the Heat make it all the way to the finals and take the Lakers to six games, I still think it's something that heavily goes against his record. And if we see the same inability to adjust 
and use his players properly, I think it's time to get Mike Budenholzer out of there. Last year, we saw him play Giannis an average of around 30 minutes, which is not what you want from your two-time MVP, especially in the playoffs. What he needs to do is get in Giannis's grill and tell him to physically and emotionally scar anyone in the paint who gets in his way, because that is what Giannis is capable of. He is so physically dominant inside the paint that nobody can stop him, especially anyone on the Nets, not old DeAndre Jordan, not Nick Claxton, especially not Blake Griffin, who's at least six inches smaller than him. Giannis has the ability to single-handedly carry this team. We have not seen that so far, and I hope we do, because otherwise this is going to be a pretty piss-poor series. And while we're talking about piss-poor, Giannis needs to hit his damn free throws. It's getting embarrassing at this point. And it's not that he can fix that in an instant, but you got to be better than 20%. Like, 2 for 10 in the first two games? Really, Giannis? On to the next game, which is going on tonight. That is the Jazz versus the Clippers in their Game 2 matchup. To summarize the game one a bit, the Jazz came out with a little too much rust in the first quarter, shooting an abysmal 3 of 22 to start out. Not what you want. Then they started to find their footing and gained a little bit of consistency in the second quarter, but they were still down 13 at half. But then Donovan Mitchell absolutely stole the show in the third and fourth quarters. He came out guns blazing and scored 32 in the second half, getting them the win thanks to a last-second defensive effort by Rudy Gobert. This was probably my favorite game of the playoffs, but I came away feeling a little bit indifferent about both teams. The Clippers brew a sizable second-half lead. Paul George was pandemic P again, shooting 4 of 17. And Kawhi wasn't exactly taking the game over like we saw just a few days ago. But that's just it. They did play a Game 7 in their, for their playoff lives two days ago and had to immediately jump on a plane and game plan for the Jazz. So, considering the fact that they're probably a little bit tired... I'm willing to forgive the fact that they lost by three to the number one seed on their home turf with a full packed stadium of loud screaming Mormons. When I think about the Jazz, I see that first quarter as a warm up after having six days off and they needed to find their shot again. Also, their primary ball handler, Mike Conley, is out for injury. He might be joining them for game two, but we never know how that'll work out. Joe Ingles had a Paul George-like performance shooting just three of 12 and one of eight from deep. He was a six-man-of-the-year candidate, so I don't expect him to perform that poorly again, but we'll see how that goes. My point here is that neither team has exactly played up to the potential, and that's so exciting to hear as an NBA fan, thinking that I could get an even more exciting game than game one. That being said, if Mike Conley is out for most, if not all, of this series, then I think the Clippers win this series in around six or seven games. However, if he's back... I don't think the Clippers will have the ability to stop this basketball team because they were the number one seed for a reason. Anyway, I hope you guys are enjoying the NBA playoffs as much as I have been. Let me know how you feel about these series. Which teams do you think are going to be moving on to the Western Conference and Eastern Conference Finals? Thank you all for listening, and I hope you have a great day.